Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Talking Floorball podcast, episode five, with your IFF media hosts, as always, James and Mari. Mari, hello. How are you doing? Hi, James. I'm doing just fine. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. It's a lovely Tuesday here in Helsinki, Finland. The offices of the IFF and also for this particular episode, we are using the offices of the Finnish Floorball Federation, which is upstairs of the IFF for those of you who are unknowing of that fact. In today's episode, really, we'll be talking about some recent events that have happened around the world. So we'll starting off with the F-Liga draft and then we'll talk about the recent uh, Women's World Championships schedule that was released for the end of the year and talk a little bit about that, a little bit about how the Swedish women's team currently on a little education and expedition to Singapore, um, both for training purposes and sort of education and coaching seminars that are going on. And then after that, we'll talk about the future hosts that were just recently announced of the World Floorball Championships. We had three hosts announced for 25, 26 and 27. And then finishing off with the uh, recent international tournament on the weekend, the Vasteras Open that had uh, four teams in it of Ukraine, Great Britain, Netherlands and Iceland. The men's competition, no women's competition there, but just the men taking part. So, Mari, shall we start off with the F-Liga draft, which is the first of its kind in floorball? Oh, yeah, historical F-Liga draft in floorball. And, yeah, not similar to NHL draft, actually, if some people thought about that. Yeah, it's um, a li- it was a little bit of confusion going in, I think, on all sides from how the format would work. But then, more importantly, what would happen to those who were picked? And uh, we saw a very, very different sort of strategy going on for every team involved. Um, some teams went for players who would straight away go in their squad and commit to play. Mm. And some teams, for example, SPV, Saneoki, picking Gabriel Kohonen, who's just signed a new contract with Stuvreta and is going to play there. But they want his rights for if he ever does come yeah. to Finland, so... Yeah, so that's more of an agreement between the players and the clubs. And then the possibility for the players to play in the Afliga during the upcoming years. So not necessarily next season, but later on. And as you said, then the club has the rights of those players. And it's an interesting balance. Do you go for someone who you know will play for you straight away, but maybe isn't as talented? Or do you risk it and then hope that in several years' time, you'll get this player in who's a star-quality player. I think you only have the rights for them to play in Finland for four years. And then once you've drafted their rights, they expire after four seasons. Mm. So for me, like there were certain picks that just bewildered me on that fact because I can't see certain players that were picked coming to Finland for four years, yeah. um, especially if they've just recently announced certain contracts in Sweden. But... For maybe these teams, they've had a little bit of contact with the players and they know a little bit more than we do, so it's... Yeah, but then again, usually the IFF media team knows many things, so... <laughs> well, we're blowing our own trumpet here and just, you know, <laughs> hyping ourselves up, but 
it was it was interesting. Um, it was it ended up being three rounds of twelve, so thirty six drafts, draft picks, and thirteen of those were checks. So you could see where the majority of these of these clubs were looking for. Yeah. And then the next biggest was Latvia. Yeah. So it was it was a definite you know change from what was maybe expected. Definitely, yeah. But then on the other hand, some teams in the Finnish league, for example, Eraviikingit, they have a history working together with the Czech players and the Czech clubs. So there is already this kind of partnership going on there. So it, we could have expected that there would be many Czech players to be drafted to Afliga, but I think so many players from Latvia was a bit of a surprise. I don't know if it should be, but still. I mean, FBS Turku had the first pick in every round. The first overall pick, they picked Christianis Tiltins. Then the next two picks in rounds two and three, they also picked two Latvian players. So yeah. they are just, you know, if you're Latvian and you want to play in F-Liga, just contact FBS Turku because slowly yeah. but surely it's becoming Latvia central over there. Apparently, yes. And then a mix of other other players, like we were saying, and uh, Czech, Swiss couple of Germans in there and then late in the third round when things got a little bit more spicy in terms of nationalities we had uh, a Norwegian, a Filipino, a Slovak an, and an Aussie all being picked in that third round yeah. so that was fun. That was a very interesting round yeah. <laughs> but but again you know no no guarantees that these players will come even um, uh, Edwin Perry from from Australia uh, who's based in uh, Sweden He he. I remember he put out a video on social media thanking Nokian who picked him, yeah. Uh, but didn't commit to going there straight away. So it's it's uh, interesting to see even even in the late picks um, how some of these players have already committed to other clubs and maybe being picked will influence them in next season, twenty twenty four twenty five or or maybe the season after that. So. It's very very interesting, um, especially especially with certain certain picks. Like for me, um, if you look at it from a pure talent level, no disrespect to Tiltins, but if you were going on pure talent, obviously you would expect someone like a, a Havlas who went eleventh overall, or a Kohonen, who went seventh overall, or Philip Langer, who went twentieth to classic, for mm-hmm. example, like they would be first, second, third. So yeah, like you were saying earlier, it's completely different from NHL draft. Yeah, definitely. And um, you were talking about the players who were sending like their greetings to Athlega and to the teams they got drafted in. Uh, several players did that, and I have actually sent a video about talking about their future plans and maybe playing in Africa one day. For example, the Swiss talent Noah Seiler also sent his greetings to the fans. And, well, he was happy that he and his brother Elia, they were both drafted, Noel to Happe and Elia to LASP. But they both have contracts with the uh, GC Unihockey in Switzerland, so we won't be seeing them in the Africa yet, but maybe in the in the future. Yeah, and I think that was the case for almost all the Swiss players. Yannick yeah. uh, Fitzy got picked the highest at number five to OLS. I believe he's staying in Switzerland, as is Pascal Schmucki from to LASP, and uh, Pablo Mariotti also from OLS. He's uh, going to stay in Switzerland. So 
Maybe that's something for the future for these players. Maybe FK Grill will try and tempt them in. Their clubs will try and tempt them after next season. Um, but very interesting for OLS picking uh, two two Swiss players and a Norwegian in this draft, which is very much unlike anybody else. So, yeah. Uh, fair play to OLS for spicing things up a bit. Oh, yeah. And um, definitely, I, I, I think two, two highlights for me definitely were Pascal Schmucki getting picked. I freaked out a little bit on commentary because if you're looking at, in terms of talent level, I, I genuinely think you should have been a first-round pick. Uh, obviously, when it comes to contracts and attracting these players to play, it can get a little bit more complicated with their picks and positions. Um, but then also a big, uh, massive recognition for Kim Varga uh, getting yeah. picked for Classic, which is not a small club to be picked by either. And uh, if he does ever make it to Classic... Varga, who, who recently announced he got signed by a SSL team. Uh, the name escapes me which one, but um, Varga will be playing next season in the SSL, but maybe after that we might see him in F-Liga. He's, if any of you have ever watched uh, the C&D groups on the World Championships and you've watched Philippines play Thailand, which is always thrilling matches, or Philippines maybe playing Australia or in qualifying as well, Varga is unbelievably fast it's ridiculous i've never seen someone who can you know quote unquote turn on the jets and just sprint past every single person so uh, and he does that the whole time with keeping the ball glued on his stick yeah i mean he's 20 years old and he's going to linchaping um ssl so yeah he's definitely a very talented player and he can do whatever he wants. So yeah, loads of people being picked, loads of Latvians, checks from this draft. As we were saying, it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, obviously, next year will be the women. Um, it's still been unconfirmed as whether they'll do the men's draft next year alongside the women or whether they'll make it a biannual event. True. So yeah. it, there's been no confirmation yet from FLEU, but obviously we'll let you know if we... Here, but at the moment it's only the women who've been confirmed for next year for the F Liga draft. So, um, yeah, if you have a favorite women's team in the F Liga, you'll be interested to see who they pick. And if you are a young, promising female player, maybe you might get picked up by one of these teams. So, one to look for next season for sure. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, the F Liga draft was not only positive on the media discussions and especially among the floorball community so of course it was first announced last november during the men's world championships in switzerland they announced that they will have the athlete draft happening and of course many questions well how does it work does floorball even need a draft um and so on so well i think it was a nice event well organized as well it brought a lot of attention to Finnish floorball, to Afliga, especially from Finland. I don't know about the international attention, but I think there was some, at least if you were looking at the comments. So, yeah. Um, also some comments from Sweden and from the head coach of the Swedish men's team, Niklas Norden, on Twitter. He was criticizing the draft and especially the unclear nature of it, like... Do people or players actually know what it means to be drafted and, and things like that? So 
Um, as we as we said in the beginning, it was very different from the NHL draft, and you cannot even compare it to that kind of draft because it's more of an agreement and negotiations and 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 things like that. So, if you are still trying to understand it, then you maybe just need to find a way to understand it. But it's not a, something that you can compare to like these American leagues. Yeah, and it's like it's a, it's a learning process as well. I think for everybody involved, not just the F Liga. Yeah, um, we'll see how it develops over the years, and and whether you know it might get longer. There'll be be more rounds. You might go from three to five. It might only go to one round, two rounds. Who knows? But you know, learning process and and the first time for everyone. So we'll see what happens in the future with it. Yeah, and also um, Mikko Bajal wrote in the local Helsinki newspaper that floorball as a sport also needs more crazy ideas that you have to be ambitious and you have to have ambitious goals especially because floorball is a rather popular sport in Finland but then generally the spectator numbers are rather low although there would be a high interest towards national teams on the all the final games or things like that but still the conversation about floorball is mostly happening in a small group in a small community Yeah, and we see it's kind of a little bit more of a club mentality as well. Yeah. Um, you know, certain teams have their small fan bases, pocket of fan bases and hardcore fans, but then that's it. They don't really cheer or, or follow the, anything apart from their team. Mm. And and that's, you know, kind of indicative also of, of certain fan groups, say in the UK when it comes to football as well. It's very club mentality. I don't really follow anything else and... I don't really follow other leagues and yeah. what's going on elsewhere. I just want to see what my team is doing. So, exactly. But obviously, we have all kinds of different fans, especially certain people listening. I'm sure so who love all kinds of floorball, everything to do with floorball. So, and uh, even international floorball. Which, speaking of which, we had our recent fully published, and it's out there now for everyone to see on our website, floorball.sport. The match schedule has been released for the Women's World Championships at the end of the year in Singapore in December. And uh, we've got the first match of the entire tournament will be between Australia and Germany, which will be at 12.30 local time in Singapore. And the opening match, opening ceremony, uh, will be at 7.30, followed by France and Singapore, who will round out day one and also... Open day one officially with that opening ceremony. Mari, you we now that we see every team and every team's matches. Well, at least for the group stages, is there anything that catches your eye in terms of maybe timing or maybe interesting uh, scheduling? Well, um, <clears throat> there is definitely one match I was I was focusing on when I was looking at the match schedule, and it is the. Slovakia versus Poland on Monday, 4th December at uh, 4 p.m. local time. That could already be the fifth place match, basically. <laughs> of course, we cannot say that um, before seeing those teams play in the group stage, but that has usually been the fifth place game in the women's WRC. So it will be a really interesting game at these upcoming World Championships. And especially because Poland and Slovakia, they were really good in the past qualifications. Uh, Poland played a really 
tight game against Czech Republic, although the Czechs won 9 to 7. But I think we can expect great things from Poland. And Susanna Chuvak was the top goal scorer of the Euro 4 qualifications with 13 goals in four games and got 16 points in total. And she scored five goals against Czech Republic. Yeah, first five yeah. goals of the game. Exactly. So amazing. And of course, Poland, they have many, many, many other key players as well. For example, Dominika Puczek, uh, 16 points in four games in the qualifications, 13 assists and three goals. And then also Poland, they have been fifth in the past two editions in 2021 and 2019, whereas Slovakia, they got the fifth place last time at their home World Championships in 2017 in Bratislava. So that will be interesting to see. But as I said, Slovakia, they also played a really good qualifications, um, especially their match against Switzerland was epic and they lost uh, seven to six only. So that was a, like a really good game from them. Laura Chupekova was the highest point scorer in the, in the event with 20 points in four matches, 12 goals and eight assists, followed by Hudakova sisters, who both got 14 points in four games. Kristina with 11 goals and three assists and Paulina with seven goals and seven assists. So we will see if these two teams will be battling it out for the fifth place again. Well, it's a very Eastern European group, that Group B, and then you've got Sweden yeah. thrown in there just for fun. And you've got Czech Republic, Poland, Slovakia, who could all easily understand each other on the field, and then Sweden just being like, hi, we're also not Slavic, so... Yeah, they um, will do their own thing. Yes. Yeah, uh, Group A, Finland, Switzerland, Norway, Latvia, that's the group for me, which... Throws up the most interesting match of of these of these match schedule that's been released. I, I'm very much on the Swiss women's hype train, um, and and I do think that they can cause a big upset. I, I think um, you know the, the term miracle of Neuchâtel gets thrown around a lot, but that's not because it was a miracle in terms of they were unexpected to be there. I think sometimes yeah. that might be a bit misconstrued that it was, yeah, know, they had the talent to be there, but it was just that match action itself of the comeback. So I, I, I do think that that Swiss game against Finland on on Sunday the 3rd at 5pm Singapore time is uh, definitely one to watch. Uh, I, I think that's six hours ahead of Central Europe and five hours ahead of Finland. So 11am Swiss time, 12 midday on that Sunday for all the Finns out there. And I think that could set a good barometer for the rest of the tournament in terms of what the level of, of Switzerland and Finland can be. Um, I, I, think, I think whoever wins that is definitely going to get a fire lit under them and, and they're going to really have more and more self-belief that they can win this. Uh, and I only say that because, for crying out loud, no offence, Sweden, but someone else needs to win this, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Sweden, just completely dominant when it comes to, to the women's uh, world championships, which is surprising considering the last four have gone to overtime. The last four editions have gone to overtime, and whether it's a penalty shootout or overtime goal, Sweden win. Mm. So they've won the last eight editions in a row, 
redonkulous. Uh, they've won eight out of the last ten, and uh, they haven't haven't looked like even in even in the even in the penalty shootouts when they won in Tampere in twenty fifteen, Bratislava in twenty seventeen, and the overtimes in in Uppsala and Neuchatel, they they still look like they were in control somehow. Yeah. So it's really going to take a massive effort from from the Swiss, the Finns, the Czechs, or maybe even someone else to to dethrone the Swedish queens. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, it it did still didn't look like they couldn't win. You were you were still expecting them to win, although it would be overtime or or something like that. It's yeah. just yeah. In no other sport would a team score a last minute equalizer to send it to overtime and still not be the favorites in that overtime. That's how strong Sweden are. When and I'm referring to that game against Switzerland in in Neustadt in 2019 when the Swiss pulled their goalie and scored again with like four seconds remaining, and you're like, okay, this is written. Swiss at home, they score, they equalize, it's overtime. No, Sweden just broke everyone's yeah. hearts. So, um, you know, it's, what do they say? Water is wet, Sweden winning floorball. So uh, <laughs> it's inevitable, but we will see if they can do another another victory and make it nine in a row, which would mean the last time that Sweden wouldn't have not won the World Championships, believe it or not, was when Singapore last hosted in 2005 and that was when Switzerland beat Switzerland won yeah. beat, beat Finland 4-3 in the final and, and Sweden got bronze so you know maybe mm. miracles can happen twice maybe Swe- Sweden uh, Singapore is not a nice stomping ground for Sweden we'll see but um, they are currently over there right now so yeah. they're doing some uh, education and training matches of the Swedish women's team um, they're playing Singapore today or this Tuesday as we're recording this and uh, also all the coaches and team staff are organizing education sessions seminars with local coaches local teachers Uh, so that's really nice to see as well yeah definitely so moving on we will go to our third topic of today the hosts have also recently been announced Uh, we had a recent central board meeting in Melmo in Sweden over the past last weekend and uh, it was announced that our hosts for the 2025 Women's and 2027 Women's Championships alongside the 2026 Men's World Championships were officially announced as Ostrava and Brno in 2025 hosting the Women's and 2026 going to the Men's. We will be heading back to Finland to Tampere. Uh, the final round of Tampere will be played in the shiny Nokia Arena, which, for those of you who like your ice hockey, uh, was just recently the f- venue of the Ice Hockey World Championship final in which Canada beat Germany. And uh, to all the Latvians out there, that's where Latvia also got bronze. Historical medal. Historical that, that they got a public holiday off of. Yeah, well, so. that's amazing. It's not bad. So Congratulations. Good. Well done, Latvia. Indeed. First ever Ice Hockey World Championship medal to Latvia. So that stadium will be very nice, I think, for Latvians when they go to visit in 2026. Will the men's team take bronze? Or in maybe 2026? even better than that. Who knows? Uh, lots of lots of drafted players 
<laughs> I'm sure will be involved in that squad. And then 2027, the women's will stay in Finland and they will be heading to the hometown, the city of the reigning women's champions in the Finnish women's F-Liga, Turku, uh, where TBS play. Uh, so it's a very strong uh, stronghold for women's floorball here in Finland. So it's a good base and a lot of uh, knowledgeable and passionate fans and people. Yeah, I'm so happy Turku got the 2027, especially because of the the women's team TPS. They have been dominating the F Liga for the past two seasons, and it's they deserve to host it. Like it will be a really good, really good city to host the floorball world championships. And and we see that also as well. Tampere hosting the men's in 2026, the world championships, and Nokian is basically next door to Tampere Nokia. Mm, so, yeah. um, you know, they got to the final and were the best ranked team in the regular season in the yeah, Men's definitely. F Liga. And then for the 2025 Women's World Championships in Brno and Ostrava, uh, Ostrava is literally the home of both teams that were in the Women's F Liga, um, Women's Czech Super League final. Yeah, exactly. So, it's, yeah, it's definitely going to places where there's a good community already for floorball. Yeah, I agree. I mean, all of these like host countries, host cities, um, will be really good. I mean, they are already good locations for for these world championships, and we will have some like really, really good quality, really quality championships coming up. Yeah, um, the last time the Czechs hosted the women's world championships was in 2013, also in Ostrava. Uh, Sweden beating Finland in that final five one, and that was the only time they've previously hosted a women's or championships, which is is not that many for one of the top four nations. They've only hosted mm. women's world championship once, so yeah. good to be back in the Czech Republic. And for Finland, uh, as sure many of you know, the men's world championships was mm, a lot more recent in twenty twenty one, delayed from twenty twenty, and uh, that final was played in. Helsinki and where of course Sweden beat Finland in the final. Yes. Uh, the three previous men's world championships that have all been in Finland have been in Helsinki. So it's nice as well that it's going to somewhere else in Finland. Yeah, so either in Helsinki on or in Helsinki Vantaa area, but still I mean in the capital area. So Yeah, I mean I live in Vantaa and that's I, basically <laughs> Helsinki, so yeah. yeah, the thing is that of course With the current situation with the Helsinki Arena, which is, I guess it's now called Helsinki Arena or just an arena in Helsinki because, yeah, some some issues with that at the moment. Helsinki is, uh, is not a possible host city for big international events. So because there's no proper venue for for a big events, also no nothing for world championships. Yeah, for those of you who are a bit unsure what we're talking about, the um previously known as Hartwell Arena, uh, yeah. which hosted our World Championship final in 2021. Um, after a certain uh, invasion and war happened, uh, the owners uh, are, are of a certain nationality and therefore it's a very political situation where uh, the, the stadium is sort of in limbo. Uh, it's got no name, it's yeah. got no sponsors, it's sort of just sitting with no people using it and it's sort of just crumbling slowly um so yeah no big stadium in helsinki so n- no future events 
And of course, that's what they were talking about when Eurovision was happening, because... Yeah, where to host it. Yeah, in Tampere. Tampere would have been like a maybe a clear destination for Eurovision if Finland would have won. But they did not, so... As, as my... I, actually, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> I, just, I just can't. So we'll move on, and uh, the women's... The women's final as well, as we said, um, it's been a bit of a diverse mix. Uh, 2027 women's being hosted in Turku. Uh, Finland also hosting two previous women's world championships in Tampere in 2015. And in 1997, the first ever women's world championships in the Ireland Islands. Yeah. Or as they properly pronounced, is it Ireland? Ireland. 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 I'm saying it like the football player Haaland. Uh, but yes, um, that's that's crazy to me that that was hosted, the first ever ones in, in the islands between Sweden and Finland. That's, that's so cool. Uh, but it's nice to see that the Women's World Championships has moved around a bit more in Finland whenever they're hosted. So, Yeah, that's true. Um, the thing is, of course, Finland, they have won once at their home World Championships. It was in... 2010 when the men's team won gold um, that was the second gold medal for the team after winning their first one at O2 Arena in Prague in 2008 so like you said before we have had Sweden winning quite many editions of these women's world championships yeah. so yeah I went to a penalties last time penalty shootout in Dampere yeah it so did. it was as close as Finland could have possibly got but alas, no cigar, as the phrase goes. <laughs> so we'll move on to our final topic of today. And uh, we will talk about the most recent tournament that happened. Uh, a little bit quiet on the floorball front now that the season's finished. But doesn't mean that all floorball has stopped. We had the Vesteras Open that happened in, in Sweden over the weekend. And uh, it was for international men's teams who took part, Mary. Yeah, so we saw all these four teams in the qualifications last May. They were all in Valmiera, Latvia, and they also played against each other already there. So I don't know if they got the idea from there to kind of play this Vesteros um, event also like between those teams. But interesting games, interesting results, Ukraine winning the whole thing. And really interesting final between Ukraine and Great Britain. Yeah, so we had Ukraine, Great Britain, Netherlands and Iceland. So not the, you know, not a typical top four nations, let's just yeah. say, of the world. It's not your Czech Republic, Switzerland, Finland, Sweden. But definitely nice to see these development tournaments for countries lower down the, the rankings. Especially definitely. with that um, Euro Power Challenge tour. Uh, Euro Power floorball challenge. Euro Power, uh, I believe it was called, uh, which was recently announced between uh, Belgium, Italy, uh, and Spain, um, who are going to be involved with that one, and Ukraine. So um, that will be one for the future. But this moment, this Vasteras Open was, uh, yeah, it was. It threw up a little bit of a of a tense fi- finale, I believe. Finale, yes. Um, yeah, Ukraine, Andrei Semenyuk, 
uh, scoring the winning goal one second before the end. And you could see the reactions from the Great Britain team and their players. Yeah, I mean, what can I say? Yeah, it was it was heartbreaking if you're if you're British, <laughs> not me. Um and to to have lose the match with one second remaining and yeah. lose a final. Yes. Uh, so it was it was yeah, bad bad for the Brits. Um but on a positive note at least for the Brits, we we saw uh, two players who took part in the men's senior team who were actually competing in the under 19s earlier this year, the under 19 qualifications in uh, Will Rickson and Robin Hickel. So um, good for GB floorball that the youngsters are coming through. And uh, also good as well that uh, one of those two, Will Rickson, is actually based in the UK. So uh, we spoke on our last episode about how the US are trying to put more domestic homegrown players and and train more domestic players Mm. for their national team. And and, uh, hopefully more countries, including Great Britain, can do that going forward as well. Definitely. Obviously... Ukraine in a completely different situation in terms of players and, and location of the players. So it's just really nice to even see the Ukrainian team playing in, in the tournament. And uh, I'm sure it was very, uh, very heartwarming for not only them, but there were several you know, Ukrainian fans in the crowd yeah, who were following and uh, uh, players from the women's team. Alina Zelena was there as well. So um, real nice big community in Ukrainian floorball. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, it's really good that teams organizing these kind of events because we have the top four, the current top four, they have the Eurofloorball Tour, then we have the Six Nations as well. And like you said, this cooperation between... Uh, Euro Power Floorball you, Challenge. Yes, exactly. Um, so it's really good that the teams are kind of active organizing these things. And of course, the AOFC Cup, Sea Games and other things that the... That they are then doing so very good developments so we'll move on to the final part of the podcast where we asked some of you for some questions and uh, i believe we'll take one question each and i think i will start uh, with a question from one of our own referees and uh, it was thomas anderson he's a swedish referee many of you may know him very active on social media is Thomas and um, alongside uh, Rikard Wisman, they often do many international men's tournaments and also ref at the the highest level in Sweden in the men's SSL. So question from Thomas was, when will men's WFC be played outside of Europe? So a little bit of a you know, question about, because obviously we're going to Singapore at the end of this year for the women's, mm. but we've never ever, I believe been outside of Europe for a men's world championships, Moni. Yes, that's true. We haven't been. So 2028 is the next opportunity. And I'm not sure we will, to be honest with you. I think the demand and I think whenever a bid bidding process comes up, it's always one of the European countries who's so excited to host it, uh, particularly top four nations. And I can't imagine um, that in 2028 we won't see a Czech bid come in. It would have been three years since they hosted the Women's World Championships. Mm. It would have been 10 years since they last hosted the Men's World Championships. So 
my guess is on the checks, Thomas, in 2028. Yeah, because 10 and 10. 10, 10 years from uh, 2018, but then 20 years from 2008. Yeah, yeah okay. So there you go. And uh, 1998 as well. That's it. They only host in in eight. (laughs) So there you go, Thomas. So it's not going to be 2028. It'll be 2030. So (laughs) unofficially, we're we're already crowning Czechs hosting the WFC in 28. But um, any other federations listening, uh, USA, Canada, Australia, uh, maybe even Singapore want to host a men's world championships. Philippines, Thailand, we saw how great the Sea Games was recently in Cambodia and, and the region of Southeast Asia really embracing floorball, which is yeah. great. So um, maybe one of those. So you might get to fly to one of those countries at some point, Thomas. Yeah, the thing is, we have received so many questions about when is this event be played here and there and, you know, which which country will host this and this. Well, you you have to understand that the the country or the federation they have to bid for the event. They have to have the desire to actually host it. So the IFF is not just randomly selecting countries, but actually the the countries they submit a bid for a certain event, and then um, yeah, it will be decided after that. So obviously, it is like an official. Process. Yeah, so it's like the Olympics or yeah. World Cup for football. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you you have a bid, and you have certain countries that bid for it, and then you announce the winner. And uh, for these three that we just announced, we can reveal that it was no other bids. Uh, exactly. It was only the these ones that come in. Um, now, whether that's just down to federations talking amongst themselves and you know agreeing to not bid over each other that might be a thing that might happen as well but um or whether that's just pure coincidence that no one else bid for those years then it might happen but obviously we don't just accept a bid that comes in (laughs) for example if the mauritius wanting to bid for a world championships and they were the only country to post a bid we will probably not just approve it straight away we'll have to check through the mauritian bid and make sure that there is actual facilities on the islands mm. of Mauritius to play floorball. Yeah, of course. A question from your side, Mari, um, from the listeners. Well, um, there was a question if there is some new European Cup coming, like a Champions League in the future. Um, but we have the Champions Cup, which will be in new format from this autumn onwards. So there we will have, um, yeah, a new format. So I could say that's already new thing, actually. Yeah, we're we're increasing the participation numbers of Champions Cup. With the home and away concept. And then, of course, it talks about the European Championships, which is, again, another thing possibly for some other time. Yeah, and definitely something interesting uh, in terms of the European Championships are planned. Mm. 2025 starting with the men and then 2026 with the women. Uh, The plan is to obviously host it in the year where there is no World Championships for that gender category. Um, But then you have other things to consider like World Games. World Games will be in the summer of 2025. 
and uh, may delay the European Championships, may not. There's not been a host agreed yet, so something for the competition department to have their talons, their claws into, rather than us at media. Yeah, we, we cannot say anything. We, we are not doing these kinds of uh, decisions. So if there, that seems to be all we have for today, thank you all for listening. If you have any questions as ever, uh, please let us know. Feel free to review the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. And over the summer, we'll be looking to start interviewing some guests related to the world of floorball, maybe some staff at the IFF. If you have any any persons in the floorball world that you would like us to interview or get on the podcast to hear their thoughts, whether it be staff, uh, referees, players, uh, commentators, media people, journalists, whoever it may be that you would like to hear from, then let us know. Send us a message on Instagram and uh, we'll see what we can do. But for the time being, thank you for listening. Episode 5, Talking Floorball Podcast, and from your hosts, James and Manny, thank you and goodbye. Thank you, bye.